our glory is hidden in our pain. If we allow God to bring the gift of himself in our experience of it, if we turn to God, not rebelling against our hurt, we let God transform it into greater good. We let others join us and discover it with us. Modern Grace. Living the Proverbs Day by Day for July 24th. Today's lesson from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. This devotional is entitled, The Greatest Among Us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, Get your minds ready for action. Be self-disciplined and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus teaches that the most esteemed men and women are not the leaders of society or the captains of industry. To the contrary, Jesus teaches that the greatest among us are those who choose to minister and to serve. Today, you may feel the temptation to build yourself up in the eyes of your neighbors. Resist that temptation. Instead, serve your neighbors quietly and without fanfare. Then when you have done your best to serve your community and to serve your God, you can rest comfortably knowing that in the eyes of God, you have, you have achieved greatness. And God's eyes, after all, are the only ones that really count. My utmost for his highest for July 24th, his nature and our motives. Our scripture comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The characteristic of a disciple is not that he does good things, but that he is good in his motives, having been made good by the supernatural grace of God. The only thing that exceeds right doing is right being. Jesus Christ came to a place within anyone who would let him have a new heredity that would have a righteousness exceeding that of the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus is saying, if you are my disciple, you must be right not only in your actions, but also in your motives, your aspirations, and in the deep recesses of the thoughts of your mind. Your motives must be so pure that God Almighty can see nothing to rebuke. Who can stand in the eternal light of God and have nothing for him to rebuke. Only the Son of God and Jesus Christ claims that through his redemption, he can place within anyone his own nature and make that person as pure as and as simple as a child. The purity that God demands is impossible unless I can be remade within. And that is exactly what Jesus has undertaken to do 
through his redemption. No one can make himself pure by obeying laws. Jesus Christ does not give us rules and regulations. He gives us his teachings, which are truths that can only be interpreted by his nature, which he places within us. The great wonder of Jesus Christ's salvation is that he changes our heredity. He does not change human nature. He changes its source and thereby its motives as well. Streams in the Desert, for July 24th. Our scripture is Psalm 106, verses 12 through 15. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In he Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, we read that Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Excuse me, who is invisible. Yet in the above passage, exactly the opposite was true of the children of Israel. They persevered only when their circumstances were favorable because they were primarily influenced by whatever appealed to their senses instead of trusting in the, in the invisible and eternal God. Even today, we have people who live an inconsistent Christian life because they have become preoccupied with things that are external. Therefore, they focus on their circumstances rather than focusing on God. And God desires that we grow in our ability to see him in everything and to realize the importance of seemingly insignificant circumstances if they are used to deliver a message from him. We read of the children of Israel, then they believed his promises. They did not believe until after they saw. Once they saw him work, then they believed. They unabashedly doubted God when they came to the Red Sea. But when he opened the way and led them across and they saw Pharaoh and his army drowned, then they believed. The Israelites continued to live up to this kind of up and down existence because their faith was dependent on their circumstances. And this is certainly not the kind of faith God wants us to have. The world says that seeing is believing, but God wants us to believe in order to see. The psalmist said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 27, verse 13. Do you believe God only when your circumstances are favorable? Or do you believe no matter what your circumstances may be? Faith is believing what we do not see. And the reward for this kind of faith is to see what we believe. As we continue from Henry Nouwen's book, Turn My Morning Into Dancing, we are still on chapter one, From Our Little Selves to a Larger World. And this is all five movements through hard times. What happens, what doesn't? 
One of life's great questions centers not on what happens to us, but rather how we will live in and through whatever happens. We cannot change most circumstances in our lives. I am white, middle class, and have a good education. I have not always made conscious decisions about these things. Very little of what I have lived, in fact, has to do with what I have decided, whom I have known, where I came into the world, what personality tendencies have taken hold. Our choice then often revolves around not what has happened or will happen to us, but how we will relate to life's turns and circumstances. Put another way, will I relate to my life resentfully or gratefully? Think of this example. You and I have crashed into one another on the highway. For me, it might create not only serious injury, but also bitter resentfulness. I may drag through life saying, this accident changed everything. Now I am broken and life is hard. You may su suffer the same hardship, but say, might this moment serve as a call to another way of life? Might it be an opportunity to master something new, a chance to make my brokenness serve as a witness to others? The losses may be non-negotiables, but we have a choice. How do we live these losses? We are called time and again to discover God's spirit at work within our lives, within us, amid even the dark moments. We are invited to choose life. A key in understanding suffering has to do with not our rebelling against inconveniences and pains life presents to us. Joining in the larger dance. Mourning makes us poor. It powerfully reminds us of our smallness. But it is precisely here, in that pain or poverty or awkwardness, that the dancer invites us to rise up and take the first steps. For in our suffering, not apart from it, Jesus enters our sadness, takes us by the hand, pulls us gently up to stand, and invites us to dance. We find the way to pray, as the psalmist did in Psalm 30, verse 11. You have turned by mourning into dancing, because at the center of our grief, we find the grace of God. And as we dance, we realize that we don't have to stay on the little spot of our grief, but can step beyond it. We stop centering our lives on ourselves. We pull others along with us and invite them into the larger dance. We learn to make room for others and the gracious other in our midst. And when we become present to God and God's people, we find our lives richer. We come to know that all the world is our dance floor. Our step grows lighter because God has called out others to dance as well. A friend wrote me a letter to recount his discovery. He had decided to spend the week following Christmas with his father, who suffers from Alzheimer's disease. One morning, when he met his father on the day pro at the day program in which he takes part, he found him very anxious and very agitated. His father was worrying that his own mother, who had died long before my friend was born, needed his help. The worries were clearly an expression of a deep anguish that he could not express directly. My friend took his father for a drive for more than an hour through the countryside. Very few words were spoken between them, 
but my friend noticed how his father's anxiety diminished and he became more relaxed. After not speaking for nearly an hour, the father turned, looked directly at his son and said, well, we haven't had such a good visit in a long time. The son laughed and realized that his father was right. Anguish had become peace. Loss had become gain. Even the silence between them held healing. So much of our movement through suffering has to do with such unexpected moments. Moments that come as gifts amid our waiting and struggling. Moments that often have to do with the people God puts in our path. We do not then attempt our movement from our little lives into God's larger grace by simple resolve or lonely effort. When our needs lead us to grab desperately for a place, when our unhealed wounds determine the atmosphere around us, we become anxious. But then we let our hurt, we let our hurt remind us of our need for healing. As we dance and walk forward, grace provides the ground on which our steps fall. Prayer puts us in touch with the God of the dance. We look beyond our experience of sadness or loss by learning to receive an all-embracing love, a love that meets us in everyday moments. And so we wait patiently if the situation requires it, requires it, watching for gifts to come where we are. Look at the wonderful exuberant flowers painted by the Dutch artist Vincent van Gogh. What grief! What sadness, what melancholy he experienced in his difficult life. Yet, what beauty, what ecstasy. Looking at his vibrant paintings over sunflowers, who can say where the morning ends and the dance begins? Our glory is hidden in our pain if we allow God to bring the gift of himself in our experience of it. If we turn to God, not rebelling against our hurt, we let God transform it into greater good. We let others join us and discover it with us.